Welcome to Taiwan Talk on ICRT. I'm Ryan Drillsma. Today I talk to electronic music producer and DJ Chenda Tsai, aka PCM, about how politics and society has influenced his music. Can you tell me the reason behind your choice of performance name, PCM? Well, uh, PCM comes from or is inspired by the queer theory, taking a word that is uh, hegemonically uh, understood as something bad and turning turning it into a tool of resistance, no, a, a political tool of resistance. And in some way, I used it in the same way to empower myself and to revert or to. Um, Neutralize as a word that hurt me for for a very long time in reality. Uh, growing up as a queer Taiwanese person in Spain, did you feel like you faced a lot of adversity? At first, I didn't know. I didn't know how to name it. No, so yeah, at first I just thought that it was a personal problem. Mm, until I discovered that what I was uh, experiencing, my vital experiences were shared. And it, it wasn't, for example, a problem of mine, but it was racism. It was a uh, homophobia. So yeah, uh, when I started labeling it and seeing the broader picture, that's when I started to yeah cartograph my my experiences. Do you think your experiences with this impacted the music that you produce? One hundred percent. I feel like, wanted or not, my music and the way I write music is going to to be experienced by. By my vital experiences, no, as a non-hegemonic body in, as a growing up in Europe. So, uh, yeah, was and I also recur to humor a lot in my performances because I do feel like humor has always been a, a tool of resistance that has been used throughout history in LGBTQ plus communities. No, como se llama like a divine, a John Waters, all the gay LGBTQ plus icons that have used humor to empower themselves mm -hmm. and to reclaim no? Osea, their, their place in this world. How would you describe your music style? Well, I think it's ever-changing, no? Osea, at first, I think I identified myself more with hyper-pop, electro-pop, but little by little, I am discovering like new, new boundaries, new territories. So I think it's ever changing, to be honest. In Spain, it's the convenience stores are usually open by by a, a Asian East Asian people, no. So that's why there's this stereotype of calling bazaars these places as Chinese. So that's why there's like this negative connotation that's a little bit racist. So that's why I kind of reclaimed it as well, and I always say that mm, my music would be played in the year 3000 in bazaars, no, in Spain. So that's why. Do you have any major musical influences? Yes, I think I'm very inspired by uh, hyperpop, especially. I'm very inspired by PC music. I'm very inspired by this uh, movement in in Spain that is called Costumbrismo Mamarratismo, which is in some way inspired by Almodovar. No, so the Almodovar genre, the Almodovar style of uh, exposing or como beautifying day-to-day -day mundane activities, no? Like for example, I don't know, peeing in a toilet with the door open and uh, your, I don't know, and your dog is watching you. That is costumbrista, that is mamarratismo, but taking it to a, an artistic uh, ground, no? And now I'm exploring um, like uh, Chinese folklore, um, especially because 
in some way I want to connect with that part of mine which I feel like I've always neglected and uh, that's why uh, I came back to Taiwan in reality this year. You've released two albums so far. Could you talk about perhaps the lyrical content or the themes? The first EP was very punk. It uh, came from a very um, punk DIY uh, background. And in reality, all these songs talk about mundane, uh, mundane objects, no? Uh, going back to costumbrismo and to irreverence and subversiveness. For example, there's a song called No Tengo Wifi, which is I Have No Wi-Fi, no? Which in some way comes from a very, like, ironic place where I kind of wanted to laugh at these, like, romantic, like, songs that glorify the romantic love, no? And I said, what if we took this idea and glorified technology, no? And by using the same patterns as a lot of art and musicians, artists use when they're talking about a love, no? El de la Bravo y la Super Pop. Eh, the Bravo and Super Pop are like eh, teen magazines in very popular teen magazines in Spain. Mm, and basically what I'm talking about is how eh, these magazines eh, that are so cis-heterosexual have nurtured us to believe that there's only one way of loving, that there, uh, the, the way of understanding ourselves is very binary, is very misogynistic, no? Um, and in some way, it's like laughing a bit at these magazines with a very pop instrumental, with a very uh, pop uh, curation, no? For someone that doesn't understand Spanish, even though your music carries a very angry message, um, it sounds quite playful or quite whimsical. Is that a conscious decision? Totally. I think that this mm, contradiction is what I really, I, I am constantly playing. I, I feel like I always play with contradictions that forms an integral part of my art, you know? Right now, pop is going through a very interesting como, direction. But the almost 90s and like the noughties pop was always like in very vacuous, no? very banal. It never had any political or social commentary content. And in some way, I wanted to use this tool that is so powerful and reaches to so many people and use it in a very deliberate and political and social commentary way. So yeah, in some way I found it very funny to use like such a banal uh, tool, which at the same time is so powerful, and um, give it content, no? give it a, a very uh, queer, uh, political, ironic, uh, parodic content. So that's why. If someone came to one of your DJ shows, what could they expect to see? Do you tend to do different things every time? Totally. I do feel like uh, when I DJ, I, I want to explore more the current space. Whilst when, I don't know, it's, it comes from very different places. No? When, you, when you give a concert, people actually go to listen to your music. So there's more restrictions no? uh, with, with that. But when you're DJing in some way, I feel like you're orchestrating a space. And I'm still figuring out how uh, the subculture and how uh, the uh, nightlife works in Taiwan. Because for example, I um, play a lot of reggaeton, I play a lot of techno, uh, a lot of hyperpop, which in, sp in Spain, in the Spanish context, makes, makes a lot of sense. And for example, I found it very surprising, for example, like when I play gasolina here, and no one is perreando. Perreando is como, it's like, 
I don't know if it's like moving your butt. It's a bit like twerking, but not not exactly. And claro, o sea, when I was uh, putting like a uh, gasolina or when I put Tomás al Real or these like iconic mm, like a uh, reggaeton artists uh, in Taiwan, I was a bit surprised that uh, no one was dancing to that. So I'm still figuring out what type of music, no, uh, what type of is uh, space. Do Taiwanese people want to listen to, want to want to ha uh, inhabit? You know. From your experience so far, how would you compare the Taiwanese electronic music scene to Spain, where you're used to playing? I feel like Taiwan is so eclectic in so many ways, and I think that's so beautiful because in in some way I feel like the Spanish electronic scene is very small, and it's very very potent. Also, I have so much admiration for it. But I feel that in Taiwan they're so uh, they're more open to experimenting with everything. Are you currently working with any Taiwanese artists, or do you have plans to? Uh, I'm. Uh, we, I've spoken to Hush about it already, and uh, but we still need to like sit down and write that song. But I've already sent uh, sent them a few demos, and they wanted to work on one of the demos that I sent them. Um, I, I am also working with a more underground artists, no, like Sonia Calico, which is amazing. Also, I love how I don't know. I just feel like mm, she's creating such an important space um, and redefining, como what I was talking about, like a mixing a Chinese folklore, Taiwanese folklore, with mm, yeah, also mus electronic music. Mm, but in reality, right now, I am super open to collaborating. O sea, later right now, I'm giving myself the opportunity to produce music for artists that I admire, no? Like, for example, GFOTY. Mm, I've worked with Dorian Electra. I, I'm remixing, I'm working with Pussy Riot. So, in some way, I want to open this mm, como gateway, no? Of, like, a artistic a communication, artistic a exchange. Because I feel like I've never opened this this road yet, and especially because everything has gone so quick. But in reality, I've only been in this industry for three years, and it's so little in, in reality. O sea, and I feel very fortunate, and it's I feel very lucky to have a to to be where I am right now, especially being a QPOC artist uh, growing up in Spain. So if I tell you that I am the first, uh, one of the first uh, East Asian artists uh, to be signed, no, so that is that is very, I don't know that that just gives you an idea of the the landscape of the um, of the situation, the current situation in Spain. So because apart from me, there was another artist in the 90s that was called Los Piston, who was also Taiwanese and it's more well known over here i think they actually opened a uyue uyue tien and uh, they were they were actually very well known as well in spain and since then there were no other like asian east asian artists so just to give you like a, an example no of how spain como functions because claro o sea, if you compare it with uk Yes, the UK has so much history in reality. O sea, now UK has so much uh, como infrastructure, like mm, I don't know, like Eastern Margins, no? O sea, or Bauman Tiger. There's so many East Asian artists uh, rising right now in in the UK scene. In, yeah, whilst in Spain, o sea, 
there's still no, there's still so so few uh, East Asian artists, and if there are, they're very heterosexual. They're very heterosexual, and the music they make, I I can't feel related to it because it's very, it still goes through a very como heterosexual, misogynistic, patriarchal como perspective, no. So yeah. So what are you currently working on now that you're back in Taiwan? Yeah. Well, to be honest, eh, I am working on myself right now <laughs> because I feel like I have so much to learn, and in some way, I came to Taiwan to learn eh, because I feel like mm, the subculture scene, especially the the LGBT plus scene, eh, is so interesting, and eh, I just want to give myself the opportunity to be a spectator of what's happening here. No, so, yeah, what I what I told you last time. I am completely flabbergasted by the the scene in in Taiwan, because despite it, Taiwan being so small in comparison to other other countries, eh, I feel like the queer, trans, eh, LGBT plus eh, scene is so big and is so nurtured and so consolidated, and I feel very proud to see that. You no, know? say so, um, to see that the place where I eh, was born is like. Booming, such a brewing, such an important scene. So yeah, in some way, I right now I'm giving myself the chance to be a spectator and to absorb different uh, concepts, to understand myself, looking at other people. I am taking my uh, taking this time to write music and to write my next album, which I am still figuring out what the soundscape is going to be. Mm, because, for example, say I am going through a very hyper pop, glitch pop, come on, place. But I also want to explore like a singing in Chinese or singing in English, and because I do feel like mm, neglecting this part of mine in some way is like being inauthentic to myself, no? Because uh, at first I only sang in Spanish because it was well the most intuitive way because I was in the context of Spain. And in some way, I feel like Spanish people usually consume music that is Spanish. In that sense, if people want to listen to your music, where can they find you? You can listen to me in Spotify and in and in Instagram. So yeah. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Taiwan Talk. I'll see you next time.